Hello. Hi. Uh, welcome to the show. How about you introduce yourself? All right. Um, I am Joe Flowers. Um, I'm the owner of Flashy Substance LLC, a uh, mobile, uh, basically I do mobile game development. Okay. And, and how did you get into games? Um, well, I mean, I've been playing games like pretty much everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm 29 now. I've been playing them since I was about five years old, playing Nintendo, you know. Yeah. Um, I got into actual game development, um, let's see, about, let's see, when I was uh, 22, I had sort of a regular job that I uh, was working with. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, a friend of mine um, started a new, started a company uh, called itch.com building sort of massively multiplayer online games before you had the Zynga's um, and those you know sort of massive companies that you were competing with so uh, I left him and joined uh, his startup doing that and it was just three of us working you know um, there were three of us for a while and then eventually just two of us working for a while just on those massively multiplayer um, type of games like if you've ever played Travian or uh, oh, yeah. you know that that style of game so these were kind of like PHP based MMOs yeah, um, our our flavor was we used Cold Fusion and SQL Server for all of our back end, and then um, we uh, over time, you know, we started using Flash for the front end um, when you know when we got a little bit more sophisticated with uh, some of the things that we were trying to do, and then we, you know, we had uh, so many projects that um, that didn't quite make it to market, um, but you know that or, or that you know we we threw out there for a while, and then you know big R and D cost like. Uh, Doing stuff with socket servers and you know, sort of more of a real time kind of a game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've sort of been all over the place in, from the game development perspective. And you know, the thing is, when you started uh, doing that kind of stuff, I mean, that was still when it was early days in the MMO space, kind of online MMO space. Yeah, it was uh, a great time. <laughs> yeah. So, so what was the business model you guys were using to? Yeah. Well, so at the time, you could churn a lot. Like you could, uh, the price to get somebody on AdWords—I don't remember the exact numbers—but it was so much cheaper at that point in time to get somebody to try out your game because the volume of competition was so much cheaper. So you really didn't have your game just didn't have to be that great in order to uh, in order to get enough attention and enough players. Um, so the business model was let people play. You know, it was freemium. You know, oh, okay. which is sort of the 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 standard, it's the hot thing today, right? Was it, was it the virtual goods model where people could buy in-app currency or was it? Yeah, so... Uh, or was um, it a subscription well, kind of? Not a subscription. Um, we never really did subscriptions exactly, but what we would do was, uh, yeah, you'd, it would be free to play and then you would pay for a couple things. One would be, um, we were building very competitive type of games, you know, like I said, like more like Travian, less like Farmville. Gotcha. So what people cared about was two things. One was any sort of competitive advantage that they could get. Um, and it was tricky because you got to balance that you don't want to give too much of a competitive advantage for money or else everybody um, cries foul. Um, or also just tools to make you able to do things that everybody else can do, but maybe you can, instead of it taking five clicks to collect all your resources, maybe you can do it in one or two. Okay. And how many users did you end up ultimately having in this system? Um, it was well. It's interesting. So the number isn't going to sound that impressive, but I mean, um, but when uh, the thing was, the average revenue per user at the time was pretty high. So in terms of like our daily active users, it was probably um, we're talking three or four thousand, sort of a deal. Okay. Um, which again, like you know, when you talk about today's numbers, but this is just for you know two or three guys, um, you know, who are running this shop and. Uh, um, and these types of games that we were building, like I said, they didn't have a great, uh, they didn't have a great, uh, they weren't very simple. So they were, in terms of growing a mass audience, it was very difficult. But at the same time, people who got into it um, would typically stick around. You know, you'd have people who would stick around for two or three years with us. Yeah. Um, and then you said that Zynga and some of these other bigger companies came into play, but they were doing stuff on Facebook. Did you, did you guys ever look at putting your stuff on Facebook or? Yeah, we did. And, you know, sort of, I think the error that we made, you know, it's, it's a shame because we were sort of in the right place at the right time. Yeah, exactly. Just, <laughs> I mean, that's, know, that's why I want to highlight this because, you know, the real question is, is what could you have done differently to kind of become one of those big companies? You know, I yeah. don't know if that was your goal either. I mean, because for some developers are just happy with having a sustainable income while they can do whatever else, you know, with their life. So, um, no, we wanted to be big. Um, yeah. You know, the, the thing was, we were always sort of at a point where, we didn't feel like we had enough traction to raise um, significant capital, yeah. and then 
Um, but at the same time, um, it's hard to get significant traction without capital. Um, well, you know, it's a little bit of a catch-22. Well, hang on, though. Uh, to be fair, I mean, it seems like the early days of Facebook, you could get a lot of traction if you had the right game. Or maybe it was also the theme. You know, back then, I think it was more about casual game, casual themes, like right, farming right. and whatever else well, versus um, the theme that you... It was. And then there were, but there were also some, some harder-themed games. Like yeah, you're right. There was, um, that just took off, you know? Like um, Face Crafter. There was some kind of like kind of World of Warcraft type PHP MMO yeah. on Facebook early on. So, And that was yeah. doing pretty well. No, no. I mean, I'm not saying that we, you know, uh, you know, you ask a good question. What, what could we have done differently? Yeah. I mean, looking back, <laughs> I think there's a lot that we could have done differently. Um, you know, we were very focused on the game in and of itself, um, the games, and less focused a lot of the time on, um, on, tying in all the right social hooks and everything to get enough people playing the game. Because, um, you know, I don't, yeah. one of the things as a game developer that is fun to do is to build the game, right? Yeah. Building the game and getting, like, the sort of the engine in place and getting everything working, like, the first, you know, 50 to 80% of a project is a lot of fun. The last <laughs> yeah. 20% of every project is, like, for at least for me, it's, like, gut-wrenching. Like, I just, I don't like putting the finishing touches on things. Um, yeah. And that and matters I, so much too, you know. Like people do care about the polish once they want to get into a game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. And it's not even just a matter of polish, but for us, like you know, you know, in hindsight, we didn't put enough effort. Like we sort of tried to. We we built some games on. Like we took a um, one game that we had called Kings of Babylon. It's still active, um, and you can still play it today. Um, yeah. But we took it and we put it onto Facebook, but it wasn't like we ever really said, okay, let's design something from face for Facebook from the ground up. Yeah. Uh, you know, we thought about doing it a couple of times, but you know, when you've only got two or three people, um, one of our things that we always faced was, you know, do we work on improving existing games? Do we want to launch new games? What do we want to do? So revenue got in your way to an extent because you had something to lose. Whereas these new companies that kind of just sprout out over Facebook, they were just, it was either Facebook or nothing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, we probably, yeah, we, we, we were probably too focused in on sort of what we knew worked for us um, in a limited sense. And uh, we didn't think hard enough about, you know, sort of adapting to the way that the industry was going, I think. And were you guys, um, well, when did you start trying stuff out on Facebook? Um, let's see. Uh, I want to say like maybe 2007. Okay. Um, you know, like we probably waited a you know, it, we didn't we didn't get in like early, early like yeah. for the gold rush. Um, I'm thinking that was what was that like oh five oh six when it was. Uh, well, oh seven was when the platform came out. So oh, it was oh seven. Okay, so maybe it was. I feel like it took us a good nine months before we even started really um, jumping gotcha. into it. Yeah. Um, and so maybe one of the other things was: Did you actually start playing other other people's games or? Yeah, I mean, we'd okay. always played other people's games. Like, like well, like other that. other people's Facebook games, or I don't know. Yeah, we looked. Um, yeah, some. Yeah, I played. Uh, I played. You know, like uh, what was it? Mob Wars, Mafia yeah. Wars, whatever. Well, Mafia Wars is Zynga. Mob Wars is the other one that the SGM guy made. Yeah, yeah, the original uh, that had all that um, controversy and lawsuits and whatnot. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. So. So we, uh, so yeah, we definitely looked at those and played those. Um, but again, I, I think it's really hard sometimes to to look at what other people are doing, see their success, and emulate it. Um, it's yeah. hard when you, when you're coming from your perspective, especially like I think you, you kind of put it well when you said our established revenue got in the way because you keep thinking in terms of what has worked for us in the past instead of maybe what will work in the future. Yeah, um, and then you were talking about Flash. Did you guys started start embracing that too? Um, yeah, that seems did. to have been a big component of kind of these big companies too. Yeah, so um, so we made a you know a pretty significant investment of our time and resources into just learning and understanding Flash as a front end tool, um, and then still maintaining on the back end either you know uh, a regular traditional database model or having like a socket server to enable that real time communication for more of a synchronous pl gameplay experience. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, we made a big we we did a lot of work with Flash and. Um, it's funny because now, you know, everybody's sort of, well, not everybody, but a lot of people are kind of poo-pooing Flash and going away from it. Um, but I think on the desktop, you know, on the desktop, it's still a fantastic tool. Yeah. Um, and actually, we're, we're, doing, we're still doing some work with it. So. Okay. So were there any other lessons, I guess, that you took from that whole situation? Um, when did you start realizing that the Facebook games were going to eat away from your guys' revenue and stuff like that? Yeah, I'd say around... Um, 
well, I'm trying to think back. I got, I let, I mean, I didn't, I, I stopped doing games as my full time job in the summer of uh, 2009, so about two years ago. Okay. Um, so, and part of that was just because of all the Facebook or all this shifting or, or what? Basically, our revenue just kept going down, and we um, we kept trying different things. Uh, we even built a game on Twitter, and uh, like so, yeah, yeah we and uh, it was called Snods, and it was we got a write up on Inside Social Games that it was like the best Twitter based <laughs> RPG. Even though I mean, there was only like what two of us. Like we yeah. it, we came out about a month after Spymaster. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, that was so. What got in the way was yeah, just our our revenue just you know kept going down, and eventually it's like I gotta get a job. And then if, once you have a full time job, um, it's yeah. you know a lot more difficult to pursue these with the same level of intensity. Like when I when I when I stopped doing it full time, I sort of had this idea that I do my job forty hours a week and then spend a good fifteen hours maybe on independent game development. Yeah. Um, what I didn't account for was a couple things. One was even if you're just working a 40-hour job a week, it's it's a lot tougher to come home after a regular work day and stay like you know sort of energetic and enthused about what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and then also a lot of the times it's not a 40-hour work week; it turns into a 50 or 60-hour work week depending on the environment that you're in. Yeah. Um, so the first like year or so that I was back in the traditional workforce, um, I was at a sort of a very demanding. Um, job that was more of a 50 to 60 hour week so that sort of just took everything out of me and i didn't get to do much in the way of game development okay and um when you said the revenue was going down mm-hmm. why why do you think like was that an opportunity was there something you could have done differently to maybe shift the the tides or, or change the the direction of where the revenue was going yeah i mean decided yeah yeah, I think you know when you when you think about like games as a real business and a way to make your living, right? You you have to look hard at every aspect of the numbers, and we did that a lot. Um, you know, so there's a couple things. One is how many people can you get to see your game? Okay. Yeah. Another is of all those people that see it, how many are going to play it and actually like you know give it a fair shake? And then of all the people who give you a fair shake, how many how much money are they going to pay? So we were really good at that last number. Like once people decided to play our games, they would pay a lot, um, and that's totally different than what we're looking at now with these mobile games. Um, um, but so yeah, we sort of had mastered the the art of once we got somebody addicted. You know, I mean, you hear about it on Zynga, and it was the case for us. Like you'll get you'll get people who will over the course of a couple of years, you know, pay you a couple thousand dollars. Um, yeah. That definitely is not unheard of, and you know, so we were able to do that. Um, it just got the harder, but but our um, our model early on was based on the fact that we could pay whatever. I don't maybe I don't I don't remember the exact numbers, but maybe for a hundred bucks we would get a thousand people to try the game or whatever okay. like that, and then pay a hundred bucks to get a hundred right instead, and so completely changes the economics of the game. And then the marketing, though, maybe it was also just not focusing on the marketing and distribution aspect. Yeah, and um, exactly. So, so because you know, when you think about marketing, the way we were marketing was paying, paying. You know, one way to market is to pay for a click. Yeah. Um, and we we did that. We used AdWords all the time, um, and we looked into Facebook ads, and we you know we did build some things into Facebook. But you know, it's kind of looking looking back. I think when we built things into Facebook, a lot of the time. You got to know your audience. Um, I yeah. think that we just didn't like looking back. I've gone back and played some of the things we built, and they were sort of difficult to understand. And like people in Facebook who are playing games, you have to sort of make the especially like the the intro and the tutorials and everything like that. Yeah. You know, those are the pieces of the game that you hate to build, right? Um, yeah. Once you know, it's just such a pain in the butt to build a tutorial. Um, but but having a really well done tutorial means a lot in terms of changing that. Um, those numbers of once somebody, you know, how many of the people who try our game, how many actually become players? You know? did, did you hire play testers to, that you had to like watch in person? No, we it? never tried that. Uh-huh. Okay. So maybe that's another part of the formula. Yeah. I'm trying to share because, you know, normally these MMOs, if you can get one hit, like, you know, some of these developers are making seven figures, you know? Oh yeah. Um, well, and we were, that's what we were hoping for. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, I think, so I it's think sometimes, when you look at- yeah. Go ahead. Well, I think when you look at, you know, new one, like, you know, a lot of them, I think you'd be hard pressed to find, not hard pressed, but I, I think it's hard to find people who don't get funding these days 
they go and create a new Facebook MMO that within you know a year is making you know seven figures um, or six even six figures. I think I, I mean I could be wrong about that, but I think right now what you're seeing is a lot of people either either they get funded or they have an existing distribution plan, or or they're finding better ways to do this distribution, and that that might be the issue is that they are finding the partners. Uh, in ways that we were in, we weren't able to do back then, or uh, okay, so maybe lot. having another biz dev person or something would have helped too. Yeah, yeah, um, and sometimes it's not just having a person, but it's having the discipline to stick with doing what you know you ought to do. Because sometimes it's more fun to start thinking about the next game <laughs> that you're going to build rather yeah. than finish and polish the the current one that you were working on. Okay, um, okay, so so you worked a full time job, and then um, you kind of found your way into mobile how, how did that happen yeah so um, you know so I worked a full-time job for a good year and a half and then um, I asked them if I could switch to just working three days a week and you know that would be enough to still pay my bills and they were supportive so uh, cool. that worked out really nicely um, so I'm still doing that and then so a couple days a week um, I'm working on mobile development and so um, Nitin, the guy who you know, who I've been talking about, uh, who we did itch.com with, um, we have a friend who who uh, has this board game called. He, he had a he had built a board game about four or five years ago um, called I Have Never. You know, so there's that game Never Have I Ever. It's a, a common drinking game people play in college in the states. Okay. And uh, so he trademarked the term I've Never, and then he created a board game from it. Um, and it took him a long time, but he was sort of the opposite of us. He was all focused on the sales and marketing of this. Now, and then this wasn't a computer game; it was a board game. But yeah. he's very much sales, marketing, distribution, and all that. Like that's all that he. That's you know that's and he stuck with it. And over time, I mean, he's made his living um, off of board games now. Wow, which so, is unheard. I mean, it's really rare, right? Like yeah, I thought I was like cool because it was funny because because uh, <laughs> uh, kind of when we first heard about the project before it was big. We just we knew we knew what he was doing. Everybody, a lot of his friends and family were like, you know, more power to you for for trying out your idea. But everybody, when you hear the idea, you're kind of like, yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. It's very easy to be skeptical. Um, but he made it work, and you know, he's still oh. making a living to this day off of um, off of that game. And then now um, the new his newest game, Dabble, which is the one we got involved on. Oh, okay. And um, so is that pretty much how you then got into? Mobile games was just his his desire for that. Yeah, so I mean, I've been you know sort of watching, you know, it, you know, if you're a game developer or just player or whatever, you know that the space is going. You know, I mean, the impact that mobile development has had on the industry is huge. I mean, yeah. you know, your iOS titles are outselling your Nintendo DS titles now. So, um, so uh, we, so I've been looking into trying to figure out. Um, you know, what could I do to get involved in the mobile scene? And also, even just as a as a developer, I wanted to sort of keep my skill sets up. And um, so I went and took a class on Xcode, uh, oh, sort of like a three day boot camp, whatever. And you know, I I've got a computer science degree, so again, I'm not like uh, uh, you know, I'm a programmer, so I don't I don't easily get like intimidated, but. Um, but it was just a lot to take in, and I feel I felt like every time I sat down to work with it, it was just like, man, this is a lot to deal with. Yeah. Um, and it was just sort of intimidating, and I didn't have, like, at the time when I took that class, I didn't have, like, a pressing need or any project that I had to get finished. So um, I was having a hard time finding the motivation to stick with Xcode and find my way through it. Okay, and so then did you decide to just put mobile aside, or, or did you look at third-party tools, or? Yeah, so um, then we heard about that's where we uh, we eventually heard about Bubble Ball. The you know he's like the fourteen year old physics kid, a kid who made the physics game, and suddenly it's the number one on the Android market above Angry Birds. And then we heard it was, it was I think it was the Apple market, right? Or was it? Was it I think it was. I thought it was Android. I could be wrong. Okay. I know it did well on iOS as well. I think it was the number one free game on Android. I think. I, I mean, I could be wrong. Okay. Um, but you know, either way, he had phenomenal success. He's on Good Morning America, um, you know, all over the place. And uh, so that's when we heard about Corona, and um, I went and tried out their Angry uh, Ghost versus Monsters, which is like their Angry Birds um, demo equivalent. And uh, you know, I just saw the amount of code that it took, and that you could port to iOS and Android. And um, I, I originally thought like. Um, 
my, my first, I've never been a fan of using like sort of third party layers that sit on top of the real code. Um, and I was really hesitant to go that direction. But once I saw that was sort of the demo that was like, all right, well, if I can take something quickly to market, um, using a tool like this and then, you know, later on you can always dig deeper. Like if you have to go native later, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, I felt like we could, uh, but I, you know, I wanted to get something out there. And so that's, that's what led me in the direction of using Corona SDK. And, um, for the audience out there, can you explain, so was Dabble then the first game you made in Corona or did you try something else first? No, it was the first game that we made. Um, so it was, uh, it, yeah. And I would say within like, I spent like a day sort of just poking around with Corona. And then once I started coding Dabble, I would say within like, I think like 10 hours or so, I had a very ugly, ugly prototype um, that basically, though, I mean, it was basically a functional version of the game. You know, I didn't have the saving high scores or any of that kind of stuff, and it wasn't drag and drop. It was like point and click. But it was enough that I could see, like, all right, once I get some, you know, a decent graphic artist um, and, you know, we get some music, sound, et cetera, I like this will make a decent game. For for the listeners out there, can you explain the gameplay behind Apple? And is yeah. it is it already available? Like, can they download it while they're listening? Or oh yeah, absolutely. Um, if you just um, if you look up uh, Dabble, the fast thing. If you go to dabblegame.com, um, you can see it there. Um, uh, the basic idea is that you have uh, five words that you're trying to make: um, a two-letter word, a three, a four, a five, and a six-letter word. So basically, you got twenty letters. You're trying to make five words. And you can drag and drop the tiles between the rows. So, um, you know, a lot of people compare it, you know, it's a word games. So people obviously compare it to like Scrabble or whatever, but it's more of an individual experience than it is a multiplayer experience, um, at least with the, uh, with the app and the original incarnation of the app. So, okay. And um, so you had a basic prototype. What's the, um, what was the next step? Yeah, so, uh, well, the or next Did you decide was, to just release your own games, or why then try to work with another team to do it? Well, okay, so you were, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So you sort of asked, you know, what did we do wrong in the past with all of our MMOs? Yeah. And one of the things that we did wrong was we didn't distribute the games very well. Um, and so since we had a friend who was building a board game who was really good at distribution and had, had success with distributing things, we decided to do a partnership. Okay. Um, and so that's how we got just, that's how we decided to do dabble. Um, yeah. yeah. And so you got the prototype going, um, how long did it take to finally finish it or get it into a playable state? Yeah, I would say, um, so like I said, 10 hours for the prototype to really get it finished in terms of like, I would say we, you know, the iOS version was published, you know, I probably the iPhone four, iPhone, iPhone and iPhone four version within like a hundred 20 hours of development. Okay, that's not bad, um, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's like, you know, three weeks. And again, like, it would have been even faster, I think, if I could have just, if that was all that I was doing, but I had to, you know, uh, I, I had my job three days a week, too. So, yeah. you know, you're coming home and, you know, at, at job, you're working with one technology and then you're coming home and working with another one. So, um, so, uh, so, like constantly jumping back and forth between technologies, I think slows you down a little bit or, you know, doing multiple projects slows you down too. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I was happy with the, with, with the speed that we were able to work with. And, um, okay. So you got it on the iTunes store. Yeah. And what happened then? Yeah. So, um, so we put it on the iTunes store and we actually won. And so we was had it, Corona's. Did you do it for free or like were you going to release it for free or did you have a paid version or what was Well so yeah so we're sort of moving along um um well we started off strictly as a paid application um you know just thinking uh we wanted to leverage the people who own the board game figuring if they paid you know whatever 25 bucks or whatever it yeah. costs 20 sometimes for the board game um, and they they'll they'll get a flyer with the board games. You know, they can go into Barnes and Noble, for instance, and buy this board game. Oh. Um, and so it come now it comes with a flyer that says, you know, please go buy the app on the iTunes or Android App Store, uh, iTunes App Store, Android Market. Um, and so we figured if they were willing to pay for the board game, they'd be willing to pay for the app. So we started off as purely a paid model. So it's like a buck for the iPhone, two bucks for the iPad version, and a buck for the Android. Um, and then, uh, 
the Kindle Fire recently. So that was in that was in like June. Uh, actually, that was that was early August, I think, that we released uh, the first version of the app. Okay. And so um, around that time, uh, our partner Jay, the board game guy, was out um, giving demos of the board game. And um, so we were seeing some, you know, again, you're you know, every copy that you sell is only worth a dollar or two dollars, but. Um, and at the time, we were probably selling, like, when he was out at the trade shows demoing the app and stuff, maybe, like, 100, uh, 100 150 copies a day for a little while. Oh, cool. Um, which was, you know, for us at the time, you know, we were definitely happy with that number. Um, so then what we saw, over t- and also around that time, another thing that contributed to that was we won Corona's Game of the Week and then their Game of the Month. Oh, okay. Um, and does that help and- with the marketing then, or...? Yeah, I think it did. Um, It was hard to, it was sort of hard to, we didn't know what to attribute to the game of the week, game of the month versus um, the fact that at the time uh, Jay was out demoing the board game and demoing the app. But I'm definitely certain that getting the game, you know, getting that award definitely helped us in terms of uh, the marketing. Um, So yeah, so it was strictly a paid app for quite some time. And um, so we knew that, but again, like we don't have a multiplayer component to it right now, yeah. and um, what we want to do, um, and so one of the one of the things that's tricky about using Corona is um, you you have access to a lot of things, but not everything. Um, so they integrate with OpenFaint, um, and we originally thought, okay, we'll just use OpenFaint's challenges to sort of have a way for to spread this game. So about a week before launch, um, or, you know, I had already basically built all of the app except for the high score of multiplayer stuff. And uh, so I go to start looking into the OpenFaint integration, and I realize, like, Corona basically can't do that. At the moment, it doesn't do OpenFaint challenges. So it'll let you integrate with our high scores and leaderboards and whatnot, and it'll let you view challenges, but you can't issue challenges to people. Um, so at that point, we decided, all right, well, we're going to have to hold off um, – and build that piece ourselves. Um, and so what I've been working on for a while now is a way to send a challenge from mobile. And then, you know, like I said, I'm a Flash developer. So I've actually built, rebuilt the game in Flash as well for the desktop. And, um, you know, so sometime in January, we'll be releasing an update where you can challenge a friend and they can either play it on the desktop or uh, for free on the desktop or go pay for the app and play it mobile. Um, so we're hoping that'll help a lot with the distribution. Um, we're also putting that in Facebook as well, and trying to tie because you know people. Oh, on Facebook so like so you are going to make a word game that's going to be like a Flash version in Facebook or something. Yeah, so uh, that's like I'm. I mean, I'm working on it as we speak. Um, like I've got I've got the game engine built in Flash, um, and what I'm doing now is just trying to tie. It's really difficult, but trying to tie the mobile and Flash versions together in sort of a meaningful way. Um, with a server back end to kind of track everything. Yeah. Um, Are you going to have it so that people can move their account, kind of like with Words with Friends, where they can move their account around? Yeah. So, I mean, that's sort of the hard part. Um, I'm not, I'm still working on a couple aspects of it. So, I, I think you'll definitely be able to like send a challenge to somebody in, um, and basically, the account will be tied to your email address. I haven't worked out all the details about what, how portable the accounts are going to be, um, because of the difficulty of that. Um, uh, I'm, you know, in sort of an ideal world, your mobile experience completely matches your desktop experience if you're on the same account. Um, yeah. The thing is, like, I don't want to require somebody in order to save high scores on their mobile phone. I don't want to. I don't want anybody on their phone to have to enter their email address if they don't want to. And so you start getting into a situation like, so if they save a bunch of local high scores and then they start playing online, like just keeping the accounts synchronized um, is a little bit tricky. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I, I understand, so, yeah. So yeah, so um, it's sort of still doing a little bit of R&D in that, in that perspective and decide, trying to decide what's important there too. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, and so, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, like, what, say, what are other uh, what are what are other areas that you're going to do to like market it and and did you see a well, drop like once you know like some developers have indie developers have said that you know they release on iTunes or um, and they get some kind of initial rush but then it kind of drops. Absolutely. So 
we saw that exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, so like I said, for a while we were selling, I don't know, 100, 150 copies a day. And then over time it just dwindled. And um, one thing is the board game is still very new. Um, and so we knew that the, the, it basically this year would have very little impact on the sales of the app. And we expect, so next year it's supposed to go to like Toys R Us, um, Target. Um, and so we're hoping that increased board game sales help us out. But uh, yeah, so the sales definitely dropped a lot. So one thing that we did recently was um, we optimized, we created a version that was optimized for the Kindle Fire. And um, th- we decided to do that because uh, um, we wanted to apply for their free app of the day program. Yeah. And so... Uh, we actually did apply for that program and got accepted. And so um, when we did that, we got so we were there. We were their free app of the day, and it worked out that we were their free app on Cyber Monday. Oh, okay, awesome. <laughs> which was kind of a a nice day to do that. And so uh, I don't know if you've used a Kindle Fire, but if if you haven't, um, the the Amazon the, the free app is very in your face if you try to go shopping for any apps. Um, so. Uh, so we got downloaded uh, 187,000 times that day. Now, granted, we were giving it away for free. Yeah, but so, still, that's awesome promotion. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and so what we noticed, um, so that was, let's see, I don't know, that was about two weeks ago. That was two weeks ago. So um, uh, what we were, um, actually, yeah, two weeks ago. So you, we've been... Um, really happy with what we're surprised about was the in, the uh, impact that it had on our sales numbers for iOS. So giving it away on Android that day for free um, impacted our iOS sales that day and has continued to impact them s- since then. Um, and also, uh, we put a big button on our Kindle Fire version saying five stars, pretty please. Yeah. And, uh, and so if you go to our reviews on the Amazon App Store... Uh, if you search for Dabble HD on Amazon, um, that's our, our sort of Kindle op- optimized version. You'll see that we have, uh, let me see, I'm just pulling it up here. We've got seven, 787 customer reviews and 609 of them are five stars. Okay. So what that's done for us is um, we're actually, if you get like on Amazon's uh, top uh, rated apps, Oh. Um, in their app store, we're like number six right now. So um, I think that that's driving because um, our sales have taken a, you know basically ever since we did that free app of the day promotion for uh, for that one day, our sales are relevant again. You know, so um, have they so have they exceeded been, your yeah. initial like sales? Yes, on a, awesome. That's great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because you know some so of the what, successful indies that I've talked or that I've seen, it's like over time, they actually get more users. You know, like the, the normal situation is that people get an initial burst and then it drops, but actually this, the successful companies seem to actually raise their DAU or their daily actives over time. Yeah. And part of that, I mean, I mentioned that because that means it's possible. You know, like, so oh, for example, Zombie Farm, I don't know if you've heard of Zombie Farm, but they're on iPhone and they've done pretty well. But their DAU over the course of a year actually went up, which is pretty amazing to me, you know. Yeah, and I'm always very curious when when that does happen. Is what what is their secret? You know, so yeah. part of it I think is first of all you have to build a good game, right? I mean, yeah. but the the game matters. But I think the distribution is more important. You know, it's yeah. less about the game and more about the marketing and sales. Like yeah. I, you know, it's like one of those things that you hate to say or admit, but it's just. No, I think I think it's just different. You know, it's it's additive. You have to add multiple things, and then you know. It's kind of like music where, you know, you have three different instruments and together they make something that people want to listen to. And those yeah. three different instruments in this case could be the game, the sales, you know, or maybe the distribution or whatever, whatever else, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, have you guys ever thought that maybe your iPhone version or your, your mobile version will actually outsell your, um, your board game version? Like, what are your thoughts um, on board games? Because when you're, because, you know, when I think about the retail model, it's like you have to give away ninety percent, anyways. Like you might actually be making more off of your uh, iPhone versions than um, than. Retail. Oh, you're, you're talking about the margins on it. Well, yeah. because there's no there is no cost to producing another copy of the. Yeah, of that's the, another uh, thing, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, 
I mean, the way that it works, like I personally, like, you know, we developed the app. We don't see any money off of the actual board game sales. Um, so we only see money off of the, uh, the app sales, but we do have a general feel for how the board game is doing. And, um, so we, we have like a revenue mod, a revenue sharing deal that we have with the, uh, with the owner of the board game. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's certainly possible that, you know, we were talking about, uh, if we could get a, we, it's possible that we would make more, more money off it. What we were hoping for is ultimately like a one-to-one sort of ratio where every, for every person that gets the board game, there is a device that has the game installed, you know, something along those lines. Um, and it's almost, in some ways, it feels like a better app than board game. Like the board game is actually from a from a critical acclaim perspective, it's won several awards um, for like educational purposes, um, and it's actually so I have high hopes for how it's going to do, and hopefully that impacts the sales in a really well, good way. What do you think of this whole situation now, where you know these board games you said are like twenty or twenty five dollars, and now everyone is pretty much getting a smartphone. Why would they? pay for a board game and i don't know um, i mean you, know, you know you guys understand that market more and that's kind of interesting to note because for a lot of these developers indie developers they're just happy that they can just bypass retail altogether because now they can make real livings off their games yeah um i think though you know when you're talking about a distribution deal with let's say you're talking to toys r us like yeah. you know might sell, I mean, again, I don't know the numbers exactly, but let's say you're talking about selling thousands of board games at once rather than selling on a per, like you don't sell them like piecemeal, maybe the same way that you do with apps. Okay. So that's sort of one benefit of working that way. And then they, and, um, but I totally agree. I mean, I personally, that's not the kind of business that I could ever see myself (laughs) starting, um, because I'm also my skill set is being a programmer and doing the gaming thing, and um, uh, it's just that there's you know there's just a lot of you know whatever half a half of a billion or is it half a million half a million apps in the uh, yeah in the iPhone store and however many um, and you know you go to Target right now and you look for word games, how many are there? There's really not that many. So okay. um, it's a bigger upfront capital investment to do board games, but at the same time, you know, maybe not as uh, and maybe not as much competition because it's harder to do and because it's more expensive. Okay. And you mentioned getting on Kindle. Does Corona then support, well, now it does support Kindle development or what's... Yeah, so we're on the Kindle Fire. So that's like their color tablet as opposed to like the original black and white Kindle that you see all the ads for with people reading in sunlight. Um, so that, the original Kindle does have some apps of some sort, but that's not really the focus. Um, and But the new Kindle Fire is all about apps. It's like, you know, an I, sort of an iPad clone, but even better because they just tie right into the Amazon ecosystem. Um, and uh, I mean, maybe better is a stretch, but you know, it's it's uh, it, it's the first real competitor, I think, to the iPad. And um, you know, because they have this huge dis- this store, um, you know, and they've got yeah. the Amazon Prime membership that you get when you buy it. Um, you know, uh, I think that that I think they're the first realistic competition that the iPad has. And um, you know, we saw it when we gave our app away for free and they featured it. You know, 187,000 people in one day downloaded our app. So now they're not all Kindle Fire. Like you can on an Android phone, you can go download the Amazon oh, okay. App Store. And um, but I think a lot of the people were on, you know, are you know, are you still seeing sustained uh, downloads from the Amazon App Store then? Yeah, we are. And I think I don't know how that's I mean, again, it's only been 2 or 3 weeks now, but um and I think we, I was trying to figure out where those are coming from, and if it was just a word of mouth thing. But I really think that it's a fact that if you go to the App Store for Android and they have a top-rated apps list, oh, okay. us being we're number okay today we're number seven, yeah. So, but we're on that first page of top-rated apps, and so I think that that's got to be a massive driver for downloads. And, and you know, if you go and you see. 787 reviews with an average of four and a half stars, um, you know, that's really, really nice. And so one thing I would say to your, uh, to your listening base is don't be afraid to solicit positive reviews. Um, yeah. because 
like people like I don't know as a, like as a game player like I don't necessarily think that I would take the time to go do it unless like they were kind of in my face and we just have a button that's in your face all the time and it just says you know even if you've already re- like we don't have any special conditional logic or anything it just says please review us you click it and I mean it's actually it says five stars pretty please like it literally says that yeah. so you click that and it takes you right to the spot where you need to review it and um I think that that's been a huge part of the success we've seen on the Amazon store. Okay, so you're so it seems like your marketing is is picking up then, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I'm again, like I was, I talked about how we were kind of moving in the direction of having a Facebook app as well, uh, building the multiplayer, and um, eventually we, we want to get on the Nook as well, um, and we. We will be doing that. How, how um, important is multiplayer to you uh, in terms of priorities? Because it seems like that would be a huge viral factor, provided you have yeah. a multiplayer game that people like. Yeah, no, I mean that's really, I mean that's the biggest thing that we have left to do. Um, it's all like, I mean, I think that it's everything because right now we don't have really a way for people to share the game with other people. But if you can, from your phone, type in your friend's email address, and then they get an email saying, hey, you just got challenged to a game of Dabble, click here to play it on your desktop, and then it's free. Or click click here to, and again, we may end up giving away a free version of the phone app permanently, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know we'll look at some options there. That's, that's sort of up in the air. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, from, a lo- from trying to drive, drive long-term sales, that the multiplayer is everything. Um, uh, my concern is that people may not even know other people's email addresses like is it easy for them to get access to that you know versus um, like actually you know just choosing a name from a facebook list or something else well that's why we're building the game in facebook too i agree i don't know a lot of people's email addresses um and getting back to you know using third party tool like corona so another thing that i can't do right this second is and that they're planning on implementing soon but isn't there yet is uh is just tying is Go into your native contacts browser and um, browse, and you know, pick people's email addresses. So you could do that. I could have done that if I was a native iOS coder, but I can't do that right now in Corona. So again, these are things that I think that they'll add over time. But that's just you know, that's one of the it, it's a limitation. But at the same time, um, I wouldn't have even gotten this far if yeah, I was right, yeah. straight into Xcode. You know, so. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like in a perfect world, you know, they had they they've also got Facebook integration. So, yeah. um, are you, you using know, any of rather, that? We haven't. Um, I I started experimenting with it, um, looking at because like you can you can obtain somebody's friends list and everything if they log in with Facebook on their phone. So, um, we might. I don't know. I'm I'm still a little. I wanted to keep it simple and let people just type in an email address, but we may end up from the phone letting you send the challenge to Facebook too. It's just it's still, um, it's a lot of work. <laughs> and I mean, it's just, it's a lot of, uh, I mean, the, the hard part for me is it's, it's not like straightforward. A lot of it's just like sort of research and trying things and seeing like, cause there's, there's no, there's no like, Oh, here's how to make everything multiplayer and make it flow perfectly guy. You know, it's like, yeah you really have to put time and research into figuring out what's the appropriate mechanism to do that. So I totally hear what you're saying about um, you know, not wanting to type in people's email addresses because I, I feel the same way. I'm just trying to think of, yeah. just trying to you know, use what is sort of available possible. Uh, what other things are you, uh, well, are you going to now pretty much focus on this game or are you looking to develop other games too? Um, I think, you know, I've, I've, I got to do, uh, right now I'm focused on this one. I think, um, over time, I would like to personally build, you know, um, build another game that has the in-app purchase model with, uh, you know, freemium goods, like sort of consumable, um, you know, okay, so yeah. like Farmville. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, like an MMO, because you guys have done MMOs before, so I wasn't sure. And MMOs yeah, so, on mobile are doing pretty well if you can get traction, you know? Yeah, and that's always the question is if you can get traction, right? So, um we would have to believe, you know, because it's a big investment of your time um, in order to build one of those. Um, no matter how simple or basic you keep it, um, every new project that you take on is um, is just it's another it's yeah. another way to spend your time. And so, um, and you said that was yeah. one of the lessons that you learned from before is that focus on one game. Or what what are your thoughts on that? Or should it be well, like sixty percent on the primary game, or like seventy percent on the primary game, thirty percent on? other kind of experimental projects or something. The, the thing is that like, I, I still don't have a great answer to that question. Yeah. And 
I don't think that there is a perfect answer because, you know, like, let's say you're, I, I think uh, Rovio developed 40 games before they did An- Angry Birds, right? It was like 50 But let's say, yeah. or something like that, yeah. So, um, and, and granted, those are more like single-player games rather than MMOs where you have to manage a community. But, yeah. like, there's also the example of, uh, uh, I'm trying to think, there's this really complicated online game where, um, I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but... Uh, there are examples where people don't gain traction for a long time, but they continue to improve the game, and then eventually it takes off. And so you can sort of see either oh, side yeah. of the coin. Um, and, you know, like maybe initially they just get the marketing wrong, so then eventually they fix the marketing piece. So we um, sort of in the past always took on, let's do a new game and see maybe it's just the idea of our game that's, that's wrong and not the way that we tie into Facebook or the way that we're marketing it. So. Yeah. Um, I've seen that happen. I think I've I've done that too. Well, sometimes you, you just feel like you know what you've hit a plateau. And oh yeah. Then, you know, and you're just like, well, what else can I do? And yeah. like in your case, like let's just say, like other listeners out there, they would have released on iPhone and they'd have been like, okay, it was cool for a little while. Now it's gone down. What do we do? You yeah. you know, you took the added step of like, you know what, we're going to release on Kindle. We're going to release on Android. And we're going to, and and you and you try to submit to the free app a day. Right. Like so. And now you're trying to like tweak the gameplay, make it multiplayer. So I guess it is that balance. And and at the same time, I think that working on another game gives you a different perspective too. That's important. So when you go back to the original game, you have a fresh set of eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, um, I've noticed that too. So yeah, and it's well, it's for me. I think it's just always going to be this way. It's more fun to work on new things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, you know what it is is because you see so much more progress more quickly because you've got this. You know, you're starting from nothing. Yes. Um, exactly. I mean, I was just talking to someone about that, so I was just curious. But I think there has to be a balance because you need to, if you just focus on the same thing and you don't really either learn from other people's games or do other experiments so you can keep on innovating, it's you're going to fall into the same trap, right? Yeah, and you'll probably get, you'll burn out a little bit on yeah. what you're working on too. So you, yeah, I mean, the thing for me is that I have a job three days a week too. So oh, that's yeah, sort yeah. of like my other game. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that works. So, so in some ways, and I do programming at the job too, so... Um, so I sort of get away from it for a couple of days, and then I come back. So that's another way to be working on something else. And it's guaranteed money. It's not, like, speculative. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's another way. But, yeah, I totally agree that it's, it, it's, it's, just, it's always hard to stay focused. And if, if it takes switching to another game to avoid giving up altogether, too, um, then I think that that's, you know, something if you got to do it, you got to do it. Yeah. So what's next in store then? I know you talked about getting on Facebook, you know, getting a Facebook version and some of these other things like multiplayer. Are you doing anything else then to um, to improve the marketing or to figure out a way? Like, is your desire to turn this into a full-time job or do you feel that you enjoy the other job enough that you want to keep that too? Um, my desire is to make a lot of money. Um, yeah. And so uh, if, if it worked out that, um, you know, working on Dabble, particularly full-time was lucrative then i'd be fine with that um at least you know for a while i think there's a point at which you know i'd have to move on to something else because you can only do so much with um you know the same project but um yeah i mean my my desire is to be a it my personal desire is i would like to make a very good living as an independent developer um and aren't Aren't MMOs though the most like the the quickest way to do that? Not the quickest, but it seems like the most lucrative way. I think that they, I think that they are. It's just that you know we did it for years, yeah. And maybe you know maybe we quit at the wrong time. Maybe yeah. all the lessons that I learned. Um, I, I think though it's not like you just snap your fingers today and like you know if you yeah. have the program skills. Like I mean, yeah, I could build an MMO right now and. Um, it might work, but it might not. And, you know, it's just, it's hard to break through all the noise and all the competition um, and keep people coming back to your game. Um, but, yeah, I very much have thoughts of returning to that style of game or, you know, putting that onto mobile. You know, like, for instance, if I could build one and got it to, if I built a freemium game and was able to get that Apple, that Amazon free app of the day again, that would be huge. With a freemium game, that would be huge because, yeah, exactly. So, 
But there's no guarantee that like something that, you know, if I build like an MMO, that might not appeal to the audience that, you know, they might say, we don't want this kind of a game for our free app of the day. So you got to find some other yeah. way to distribute it. Well, so. the MMOs that you like are more hardcore versus casual, right? And they're more, yeah. and they're more real-time versus asynchronous. Right. Oh no! They were typically actually async. Oh, they were because so, okay. I mean, we, we, you were we mentioning do, socket servers and we did. Yeah, and so that was one of the things that we started playing with, and we put a lot of time and effort into. Um, but ultimately, the ones that we were successful with were asynchronous. So oh, gotcha. Um, so those are typically. I mean, and from a technology perspective, I'd much rather build those than try to yeah. build something synchronous because um, it's just a, it's a. It's a dangerous road to go down as a small shop to build a synchronous multiplayer uh, uh, MMO. Yeah. Well, now you're seeing also even on Facebook, there is this kind of emergence of a mid-core or hardcore gamers market where there yeah. people who are playing asynchronous games, but they have the hardcore theme or mid-core theme that maybe you're more comfortable with. Have you thought of then looking into that more or do you feel that, you know, learn as much as you can out of this project and then see what happens? I think that that's where I'm at right now is figure everything out that I can about this project and look and see when we bring it to Facebook, how does it affect our numbers? When we bring yeah. it to, when we add the multiplayer, how does that affect it? And then take a step back and look and see, okay, how much time did I put in and what, you know, yeah, what is the right next move? Because, um, yeah, there's so many ways that you can go. Um, and, you know, yeah. uh, it's just, especially like the older you get, and especially like as a programmer, I think, it's harder to learn. The older you get, it's harder to learn new technologies, or you're you're less excited about learning technology just for technology's sake. Yeah. Um, and so, it's all about for me prioritizing and deciding what do I think is the best shot of a something that I would be excited to work on, and then b what can actually uh, let me make a living. So, um, you know, what are other are, are you also keeping now like I guess a new group of game developers? Are you hanging around them? Are you sharing stuff with them and figuring out well, like how to you know because it seems like through all these transitions there's like usually a different set of people you need to be hanging around to keep things up or keep things going what are your thoughts yeah so i mean uh so i you know the corona has a nice community so definitely kind of like uh try to post in there and keep in touch with like carlos the guy who you know one of their co-founders and um and then there's mobile development meetup groups in dc so i'm i'm in dc um, okay. And so that's another reason, like, if we had lived out west, maybe we would have been in Silicon Valley raising money more easily, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I try to keep up with, you know, some of the mobile development groups and whatnot, um, and just be around people, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's not, like, one, th there are game development groups, too, um, but I haven't, yeah, that's probably one of those things that uh, I'm so focused on, like trying to finish the project now that I think I'll get more back into that once I have a little more like time to breathe. I think. Okay. And um, yeah, where do you see then the future of uh, mobile game development or game development going? Um, I think, you know, there's. I think it's going to go to. There's going to be a couple things. Um, one is you're seeing the big guys all. I mean. Uh, what is it, Infinity Blade 2, right? Like yeah. that's the new that's like the new holy grail of mobile gaming <laughs> is now you have these crazy in-depth high graphic games. And then you'll have the really sort of casual fun games that are made by people like me who, you know, go out, find a tool set, hire an artist on Elance and um, see what they can do. Um, and I think that the tool sets like Corona or, you know, like you said, Game Salad, all I mean there's tons of them. Um, there's gonna be you know, the, the tools are only going to get better, um, or, you know, Unity, even for the people who are really uh, adventurous. Um, the tools are going to get better, and it's going to get, you know, the barrier to entry is just going to keep getting smaller. So I think you'll just have, a, have like, all the indies and then the triple A's. And, uh, and then, you know, uh, and I think all the games will get a little bit more social, and um, just the volume of games is going to keep increasing and it's just going to be more and more. It's just going to be all about how can you distribute your game? Yeah. Um, what do you, do you feel that now mobile is going to be that last venue of distribution? I mean, where else are you going to, well, I guess you guys are, are doing the like retail model kind of, you know, that, yeah. that'll be another way. <laughs> hey, it'll be another way to get distribution. In fact, if you can probably on the board, on the box itself, say, Hey, download the free Android app. 
Yeah, that would be good to that put it on the be, box so people who haven't even bought the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See it. That's a good point. I didn't even think of that. I, I should, would, re- I I would highly recommend you do that because that way yeah. you're getting exposure because everyone has their smartphone anyways when they're in these stores. So, right, right. hey, I'll just download it. I think that's the, really the main benefit of getting on um, getting in retail. Just a thought. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I guess like you said, there are these other emerging tablets and other devices that might also provide um, ways for distribution too. Yeah, and I think it's just, you know, but, trying them out. <laughs> yeah, and what about internationalization, right? Like, I don't know if you try yeah. I don't Because yours is a word game, I don't know how it'll work with other languages, but... Well, yeah, I mean, um, the the uh, the board game, they built it in Spanish as well. Oh, wow. um, yeah. yeah, and so we don't have a Spanish app yet, but that's definitely one direction that we can go in for distribution as well. If, you know, I think the English game has to be financially feasible first. Okay. Um, and, you know, I mean, not that it, I mean, uh, you know, right now we're seeing still the nice sort of aura from the Amazon experience, but I don't know what the numbers are going to look like in a month, you know, yeah. whether we'll be back down to like selling Zippy. Um, well, I, so, think, I think, you know, how can you borrow MMO characteristics and apply them to the word game? Because with the MMO, people are always coming back weekly for new content. Now, yeah. unless you have the multiplayer option, what are going to be reasons that people come back to the game? I mean, aside um, from just playing it, but still, you know. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing, yeah, uh, multiplayer is the biggest reason that people would come back to play a word game. Um, you know, there are we've talked about sort of like a cafe dabble sort of experience where everybody is playing the same set of tiles at the same time yeah. um, inside of Facebook. So that's like one one way. Um, yeah, um, I'm trying to think. You know, it, it's just, it's difficult with a game, you know, we're trying to keep it simple and appeal to a mass market, so we don't want to overcomplicate it either. Um, I don't know, why do people come, become, you know, other other word games that are successful, Word yeah. with Friends, it's the multiplayer, right? So, yeah, and Word Feud, I think um, Word Feud is kind of like an indie Words with Friends, or I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you've played that game, it's on Android, I think it's done reasonably well. Yeah, I've um, heard about it. Yeah, and I guess um, that has multiplayer aspects too, so... It seems yeah. like multiplayer would be a huge... Oh, when do you expect to have that done? Uh, January, late January, I'm thinking. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so. yeah. But yeah, I mean, I was thinking, you know, um, one thing that could be fun is, uh, you know, uh, once we've released that, if you, uh, you know, maybe we could, uh, you know, do another talk. Yeah, um, that'd be awesome. You know, kind of like a follow-up and say, because I know you did, I, I listened to some of your old podcasts, like with Crawl Space. Um, I know you guys did oh, yeah. a follow-up with them when they did the Indie Bundle. Um, and so maybe, you know, we'd come back on and say, okay, well, here's our experience. You know, we actually did all that stuff I was talking about and, uh, yeah. here's how it went. So, yeah, that'd be great. Um, so for the audience out there, uh, what, I guess, what suggestions do you have for them if they want to, you know, succeed in the space, make a, make a living or a huge success out of a uh, game development? I think the first thing is to just do something, um, like I had the experience where I went and took the iOS class and I just got sort of intimidated and turned off by Xcode. So if you have to try another tool set like a Corona, um, do that. Um, if you're comfortable with Xcode, use that. But whatever you're doing, make sure you actually try something. Um, and then uh, try to pursue as many distribution avenues as possible um, because just because one of them doesn't work doesn't mean that another won't. It doesn't mean you're, you know, especially if you, We've always gotten positive feedback from people who play Dabble like Dabble. Actually, yeah. they typically love love Dabble, but it, it doesn't have a natural sort of vibe like I have to go tell somebody about it factor. So push the distribution. If you believe in your game, stick with it and try to get it to as many places as possible. And so alongside with distribution to add to that, maybe even figure out how to pump distribution into the game design itself. Right? Exactly. Like be a multiplayer yes. or something else. Okay. Yeah. Think about it from the ground up. That's a great point. Um, yeah. Any other points then? for other, aside from distribution, about other things that you wish you would have known um, to maybe have accelerated your success? Um, I think, uh, you know, going in with a goal in mind is important. Um, you know, like, how do you define success for the current project that you're working on? I think that's good to know. Yeah. Um, for this particular project, I didn't think that money was going to be the end-all, be-all. I wanted to get into mobile development, and I thought this would be a good start. Um, so have your success criteria defined. Um, figure out how much you know time and effort, and then try to actually focus your time. Because I found that uh, sometimes I sit down to write code, and I've got like the TV on in the background, and I end up getting distracted, and you know 
time gets eaten up and uh, yeah. so focus yeah and how do you uh combat people who are like you know what you should just take a full-time job um, um instead of taking the risk you know i combat that by having a job three days a week i mean that for me yeah it's it I don't, I don't know if that's an a, issue because I know in like some some parts of the U.S. or even other oh it countries, is definitely okay. yeah yeah and even just like you know when I see other people sort of tradi- uh, pursue the traditional career model it's absolutely an issue but um you know I sort of I'm 29 I feel like I can do this for another two three years I probably won't have kids by then and then if I haven't made it by then then I can think about traditional career path but uh, until then I feel like I can afford the risk and you know other people let's say you already have kids or something like that. If you can chunk out ten hours a week, you can afford the risk too. You know, yeah. so um, it's and, just an issue of how bad you want it. Yeah, are you keeping up then with the mobile? Because it seems like the mobile game space changes rapidly. You know, are you keeping up with that? Do you like go to these mobile conferences or any of that other stuff? Or I haven't been going to the mobile conferences, but uh, that's definitely something that I I think I look forward to in the future for sure. Okay. So um, yeah. So any other last words then <laughs> for uh, listeners and game developers out there? Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I think I've, you know, distribution, distribution, distribution. <laughs> awesome. And That's it. where can listeners then find out more about uh, the game? Sure. It's uh, dabblegame.com. If you go to that, you'll see uh, a picture of the board game. You'll have links to download it on iOS. Uh, you'll see the board game on Amazon. Um, and if you look on the Android market, it's there as well. So. Okay, great. Uh, thanks again for your time. No problem. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can do this again in a couple months. Definitely. Take care. All right. Have a good one.